Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, our triune God. Amen. Join me in speaking together these verses from our Gospel reading from the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus came and said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, today, as we have mentioned, we are beginning our Great Commission season. We are beginning a sermon series which will take place over the month of June. And appropriately for our Great Commission season, we will be focusing on the Great Commission from Matthew 28. And our theme for this series is called Proclaim His Name, which is also our church's theme for this upcoming year, the year that begins in July for us. And so our series intentionally brings us right up to that and helps us prepare for that as well. Now, you're likely very familiar with the Great Commission, those verses that we just read together. In Matthew's Gospel, these are actually the first words that Jesus shares with his disciples, the whole group of the disciples, after his resurrection, to encourage them and to guide them in all the work that they were about to do so that they could proclaim his name to the ends of the earth. And these words have been guiding Christians, guiding the Christian church for nearly 2,000 years. What you may not realize about this commission from Jesus is that it is jam-packed with four special phrases, four special promises from Jesus that we'll refer to as the four alls. And we, we call it that because the word all is used four times by Jesus in rapid succession in the Great Commission. And so we take note of these four alls and we consider what that means that they're there. We'll be dedicating a week each Sunday this month during this series to consider each one of these alls. The first all that we see is all authority. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We'll be talking about that further today in just a few moments here. The second all that we see is all nations. Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The third all we see is all that I have commanded you. We are to share the entire word of God, his entire counsel, which Jesus delivered to his disciples and to us, his church. And the fourth all that we see is, behold, I am with you always, Jesus says, even to the end of the age. Now, not only do these four alls make up the Great Commission from Matthew 28, but they also correspond beautifully with our mission statement here at Christ our King Lutheran Church, the, the mission that drives us specifically here at, at church. Remember, our mission statement is this, activated by the Holy Spirit, we will glorify God through worship, word, witness, work, so that all people can be transformed into dedicated followers of Jesus Christ. We talk a lot about these four W's here at Christ our King, and, and we're also going to be focusing on these over the next four weeks. Now, these four W's are helpful in describing what our church is all about. They are helpful reminders to us so that we might remember, 
but they are also helpful ways for us to share with other people, communicate with other people what we value the most. In other words, as we are going to seek to proclaim his name, the saving name of Jesus Christ in the coming year and, of course, beyond, we will do so here at Christ our King by focusing on these four W's. Now, as I said, the, the four alls from the Great Commission line up beautifully with the, with the four W's from our mission statement, and here's how. When Jesus said he has all authority, he means just that, all authority, both in heaven and on earth. But Jesus chooses to use that authority to draw near to us, to give us what we need in both body and soul, and that he does primarily through word and sacrament, gifts that we find in worship. And so all authority goes along with worship, where Jesus draws near to us. Well, when Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, he was proclaiming that he had come not just for some, but for all. And so our witness for him in this world is also meant to be extended, not just to some, but to all. All nations goes with witness. Or when Jesus said to teach them all to observe all that I have commanded you, Jesus is referring to the word that he has given us, the gift of his word, of his living and active word in our lives, which we have the privilege to abide in and to also share with others. So all I have commanded goes with word. And finally, when Jesus promised that he would be with us always, we know that he is always with us, always at work in and through us. He is always with us to strengthen us for his work. And so work goes with uh, with us always. And so you see how these four alls correspond with our four W's. Now, the last thing that I'd like to mention regarding the Great Commission before we look more specifically at our theme for today is this. That when we hear the phrase Great Commissions, our minds may immediately assume that this is a statement of command from Jesus, things that we are to do. It's law, we might think. The first thing we think of is something that that we need to do, that we need to go out and, and get busy doing the Great Commission. Now, both you and I know that God's law is good, and, and his law is his gracious will for our lives. And it's true, the Great Commission is Jesus' will. It's, it's Jesus commissioning his disciples and his church into the mission work that he wants us to accomplish. But here's what I want us to think about. Here's what I want us to realize. That before we immediately jump to the command, jump to the, the law and, and our actions, we need to first hear the gospel that's in the Great Commission. We need to recognize first and foremost the gracious promises from Jesus that is present there for us. You see, Jesus is making these precious promises to us with each and every one of those four alls regarding not what we do first and foremost, but regarding what he has done and what he continues to do for us. So, for instance, with all authority, we recognize how Jesus chooses to use his authority. He uses it to forgive our sins and deliver his means of grace. Or with all nations, we see that Jesus came and and died and rose again for all people, all nations, including us. There are none who are so far away that Jesus is not there for them. Or all I have commanded. We rejoice in Jesus' gift of his word, the gospel. It delivers to us the gospel good news of everything that he has done for us. 
where Jesus has promised to always be with us. We are thankful that throughout our entire lives, Jesus is with us, for us, there, present, on our behalf. And so these are the gospel promises that we find in the Great Commission. And so the goal of this series this month is to better equip all of us to to proclaim his name, that in our daily living, once we go out from here each week, and in the name of Jesus, being able to proclaim that name with others, that we might be confident in that. But in each of these four weeks, we also need to realize very clearly that all of this is only possible because Jesus has already accomplished everything on our behalf. That only after seeing what Jesus has done for us can we begin to do anything for him. And so that leads us then into today's theme, which is that we worship the one who has all Authority. So you see worship there, one of our four W's, you see the word authority. And so I'd like to begin with, with that, work, that word, authority. What comes to mind when you think of the word authority? One person told me after the early service that they think of the word author, and I think that's good. Someone who, who has the authority, who is the author, the one who writes and, and controls this world, rightly so. Perhaps you think of of someone who has power, power maybe to tell others what to do or where they should be. Or perhaps you think of people in authoritative positions, those who rule with authority. I think for many of us, as we think about the word authority, that there's this, there's this implicit conception of someone who is distant from us. Like Pastor Don was sharing during the children's message, that when people think of all the gods, uh, their conception of God out there in the world, that so often it might be someone who's distant from us. You see, and I think that's because there's, there's this notion in our minds that, that there's someone who has authority and someone who doesn't have authority. And so that difference then between the two results in a distance, a, a natural separation of sorts. Just think of kings and, and queens or presidents, for instance, traditional people who hold authority in this world and how often they're set apart from the rest of the people. They might live in palaces or or castles or white houses. They're doing things and living lives that are distinctly different than the rest of us normal people. They are separate. They are at a distance. Back in the 1940s in Europe, in the early days of the Second World War, Nazi Germany was overrunning country after country with their swift and often brutal invasion tactics called the Blitzkrieg. And for those who were in authority in those countries that were invaded, the the kings and queens and presidents, places like Norway or the Netherlands or Luxembourg or Yugoslavia or Czechoslovakia or Poland, all of those leaders of those countries, they fled. They fled in an attempt to stay alive, and they were even more separated from their people. But when it came to Denmark, specifically King Christian X of Denmark, something different happened. The Nazis invaded, and so similar to all the other countries, Denmark didn't have the means to be able to resist their invaders. But unlike all the other leaders that preceded him, King Christian did not flee the country. In fact, he did quite the opposite. 
King Christian was known that every day during the Nazi occupation, he would ride his horse through the streets of Copenhagen with no guards, mind you, as a way to encourage his people, as a way to strengthen their resolve. And although they were still under Nazi rule, Nazi occupation, they were still able with that strength to resist in small yet significant ways. So significant, and many of you will know this story, that even under the watchful eyes of the Nazis, the Danish resistant movement was able to transport well over 90% of their Jewish population in boats across the straits and into unoccupied Sweden to avoid them being rounded up into concentration camps. But you see, what makes that story so extraordinary is the thing that we don't expect to happen, that that we so often don't expect those who are in authority, like King Christian, to act this way, to be near rather than far, to be among and to suffer with his people. We expect them, rather, to be more separated, to be distant from us. This is the mentality that you also see reflected and described in our second reading today from Acts chapter 17. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is addressing some of the foremost Greek thinkers of his day in the city of Athens who were used to this kind of thing. And so the Greeks, they they believed in a pantheon of gods and and authorities, and they just naturally assumed that those gods, whoever it might be, who had authority over all of creation or maybe just parts of creation, that they were distinct, and not only distinct, but distant from humankind. And so Paul begins describing to them the, the one true God. He begins by saying, The God who made the world... And everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Well, so far, so good. Paul is setting up that the one true God is the one and only creator of all the world, and he alone has authority. So that must mean that he is distant from us, right? Well, Paul would have surprised everyone when he said the following. God made from one man every nation of mankind that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from every each one of us. And Paul then goes on to to tell them about Jesus, the one who stepped down from heaven and into our world, became one of us in order to save us. Not as some distant God, but a God who draws near to us, who suffers with and even dies for his people. Jesus is, in fact, near to each and every one of us. And the culture that Paul encountered in Athens in Acts chapter 17 is strikingly similar to our day and age today. Today, people assume that God is a person or maybe a concept that just must be distant from us. And people are stumbling around in the darkness, perhaps hoping to feel their way towards truth or feel their way towards God and and find him. People love to say nowadays that that they are spiritual, but not religious. That they recognize that there is some kind of God or gods out there, some entity out there, but it doesn't have much to do with my daily living. 
My favorite picture in the guides that Pastor Don uh, has out for us to take and, and maybe share with someone else, and, and it's narrated by pictures, you'll see. My favorite picture in that is this picture of just everyday people, but all of them have cardboard boxes over their head, and so they're just stumbling around with, with, with those on their heads, not knowing where they're going, and seemingly ignorant that those boxes are on their head in the first place. And that's what it seems like it's like nowadays. People not even realizing the lost and confused state that this world so often finds itself in. Furthermore, these people, many people, sometimes even us, we don't see God or remember God as the ultimate authority. Instead, they turn to all sorts of other things as authority. The, the authority of other people that they want to put their trust in or the authority of, of governing authorities who they think will save them in some way or the authority of happiness or pleasure in this world or the authority, most of all, of one's own self. That what's most important in life is that I'm always most important. You see, all of this only results in confusion and darkness and ultimately death. We are all sinners. We are all trapped in the darkness and death of our sins. And so we need one who has all authority to save us. That's what Paul begins to share with the Athenians, that we do have the privilege and the, uh, the privilege of knowing and proclaiming the one who has all authority, not only in heaven and on earth, but in each and every one of our lives. Jesus is that one with all authority. Colossians says all things were created through him and for him. And as Jesus himself said in the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. God the Father gave Jesus this authority. He trusts him and exalts Jesus to rule over all things now and forever. And yet, how did Jesus choose to use this authority given to him? Not to remain distant from us. Not to remain as some kind of king on high who is just so above all of his subjects. But instead, he uses his authority to draw near to us. Like King Christian in Denmark, except King Christian didn't have the authority in and of himself to defeat his enemies, his occupiers. But you see, Jesus does, and he did. Jesus used his authority not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus authoritatively laid down his life at the cross as a payment for all of our sins, as a victory over all of our enemies, all of our occupiers, our enemies of sin, death, and the devil. And then Jesus authoritatively picked back up his life again so that we might be assured of our eternal lives with Jesus. He used his authority not for himself, but for us to save us, to forgive our sins, and then to send us out into this world with the authority to share that forgiveness with others as well. We respond to our merciful and gracious Savior who has all authority in heaven and on earth by worshiping him. But again, we need to think of even worship, not as law, but as gospel. Jesus mercifully and graciously chooses to draw near to us in worship with everything that we need. 
Jesus authoritatively delivers to us his forgiveness in baptism, in the confession and absolution, in the Lord's Supper, in his word. We receive all of this from him regularly when we are in worship with him and we are receiving these gifts just like we are today. And then having received these gifts of eternal blessing, we respond then with our own worship, with our praise and thanksgiving as well as desiring to invite others to be in worship with us, to worship the name, the saving name of our triune God. That's what Jesus was doing with his disciples in the Great Commission. He told them, all authority has been given to me. And you've seen over these past three years how I've used my authority here on earth to love and to serve and to save you. Now go and proclaim my name so that others may know me, the one who loves and serves and saves them as well. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have been given this authority from the one who has all authority. The authority to announce his forgiveness to others. The authority to tell others about him. The authority to share how he is in fact near to each one of us every day. The authority to proclaim his name. And so that's something we'll talk more about next week as we focus on witness. Witnessing to all nations, to all the people that God is sending into our lives and is sending us out to. We have the privilege next week of hearing from a guest pastor, Pastor Ron Farah from Birmingham, Michigan who will be sharing with us the important uh, ministry that, that he's involved with, this ministry involving yard crosses, and using these as well as other means to witness to others. But you see, in all of this, we are proclaiming that name, and we are proclaiming the love of our merciful and gracious Savior, and of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In that name, amen. And now may the peace of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.